This is the 93rd episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze. This past week, it was 16 hours of Fox News, and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Let's get into it. Fox News, Trump Town Hall, the last GOP debate on another network, and more Hunter Biden madness. But first, a touch of the season. Uh, I'm just happy that the tree wasn't set on fire this year. Right. And it's, that all the music is still playing. It's fireproof. Yes, yeah, fireproof. Maybe somebody we, tried. We said take that. <laughs> okay. I was reading in the New York Post, the All-American Christmas tree this year is fireproof. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. They, they bought so a tree. Don't even try, mister. They replaced the last tree that was burned down last year with a fireproof version. We right. have enough security out there to prevent that. Yeah, we got a fence. We built we a fence. We built a wall. <laughs> we, we built a wall, but we're making the North, the North Pole is going to pay for right. the wall. You'll have to say, yeah. Normally during the Christmas season, we start the program by showing an outside shot of our all-American Christmas tree on Fox Square. But last night, shortly after midnight, somebody climbed up in the tree and lit it on fire. It's beginning to look a lot like arson. Right and now there is somebody who is in custody and is being interviewed by local police. Who sets a Christmas tree on fire? Who sets a Christmas well, tree on Well, I mean, it's fire? just part of the rampage. No city is safe, no person is safe from the subway on down. Here you are at 48th and 6th, right in midtown Manhattan. Uh, it has become a tourist attraction. Every year it gets more and more people, and just one psycho goes up, ignites this thing. Thank goodness we have uh, very excellent security. Within two seconds he was tackled to the ground. But, but think about it. Who, to Ainsley's earlier point, who sets a Christmas tree on fire? It's a, it's a tree it, that unites us that brings us together. It's about the Christmas spirit. It is about the holiday season. Uh, it's it, about Jesus. It's about Hanukkah. It is about everything that we stand for as a country. Freedom and being able to, to worship the way that you want to worship. It makes me so mad. So if you didn't notice, I went backward in time. I started with this year, went to last year, and then two years ago. And yes, two years ago in 2021, a homeless person set the Fox News tree on fire and it went up like a torch. And it's funny because nobody got hurt. And it's funny because he was actually trying to set fire to the Rockefeller uh, Center Christmas tree, realized they had too much security. So he wandered over to Fox and set fire to their tree. He was tackled within a couple seconds. And what made it humorous because I'm a horrible person for laughing at this, but I, I am laughing at this, is that Fox News then for really weeks freaked out and acted as if it was a terrorist attack targeted at Fox News um, when they all knew that it was just some guy out of his mind who probably needed medication, who didn't hurt anybody. That's the key. Didn't hurt anybody who just kind of wandered over and set fire to a tree that was heavily insured and was replaced immediately. But um, it was just like, oh, my, our Christmas tree has been set on fire. I also think it's, you know, because if, if, if Fox News has a has an opportunity to play the victim, they're going to. And yes, somebody did burn down their tree. And yes, I want to add this very quickly. There is a giant red star on the top of their tree that looks like 
you know, for the people, communism smashed the state because it's a giant red star. They had it last year. They probably had it every year. And I'm like, why do you have a communist Christmas tree? That's all I see every time I see that thing. And I also think it's funny that Ansley Anhart in that little short clip said that Christmas tree is for Hanukkah. It's not. But I think she meant well, so I'm not going to hold that against her. It was just funny to me. Okay, so last week on Fox, former President Donald J. Trump staged an impromptu town hall that was really just a softball interview with a cheering section while a lesser-known cable channel hosted the fourth Republican debate and Hunter Biden got indicted again. Yay! Although Fox News didn't host the last GOP debate, they did dedicate a surprising amount of airtime to it. The network also pivoted its focus from the Israel-Hamas war to segments about the U.S. House Committee on Anti-Semitism on college campuses. The network didn't feature much in terms of coverage of the Israel-Hamas war. There are only so many ways to show airstrikes without featuring a single injured or killed Palestinian. So Fox has shifted its focus from the war to segments about pro-Palestinian rallies, anti-Semitism, and various celebrities making problematic statements about the conflict. Segments about the Israel-Hamas war didn't even make the top five topics this week and only took up roughly 3% of the airtime in the programs I covered. Fox neglected to inform its viewers about several stories that included court cases challenging abortion laws in Kentucky and Texas. The network also didn't cover climate disasters in Africa or new data that showed 2023 was the hottest year on record. Shows I covered on Fox last week, Fox and Friends, The Five, The Ingram Angle, and Hannity, Tuesday night only. I also watched the debate on News Nation and some of the comments. I didn't get all of the commentary. There's a lot of it um, from News Nation. I didn't have to, but I, I knew it would be part of this, so I did. The day after the fourth GOP debate. Now, what the heck is News Nation? <laughs> I found out. I didn't really know. Wednesday night, News Nation, a relatively new 24-hour cable news network, hosted the final debate for the Republican presidential primary. The event included Nikki Haley, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Although News Nation tries to sell itself as a non-biased news source, it seemed more like a low-rent version of Fox News, complete with an island of misfit toys menagerie of disgraced television media personalities. The debate was co-moderated by former Fox News host Megyn Kelly. News Nation also included a series of questions by Tom Finton of Judicial Watch, a far-right-wing activist group. Finton is likely a co-conspirator in Trump's attempt to overturn the 2020 election. So I found that humorous that they're trying to pretend that they're moderate. So Chris Cuomo, formerly of CNN, led the post-debate discussions, which he called the all-star panel. Get this, get these all-stars that featured three former Trump administration officials. Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary, Morgan Ortegas, former spokesman for the Department of State, and Mick Mulvaney, former White House Chief of, Chief of Staff, along with Geraldo Rivera, a left-leaning, and that's being generous, moderate journalist formerly with Fox News. All-star panel, and you open with Sean Spicer. 
If you want to cause yourself to fall over laughter in pain to the point that you're like, I might die, what? look it up. I'm Melissa McCarthy doing Sean Spicer on SNL. Just look that up. You will die. You will, you will literally be on the brink of death. You will laugh so hard. Oh, my goodness. And Sean Spicer. I, I didn't want to include too much about News Nation because I got a lot to cover. But when they got through, when they were doing the first round of the commentary, Sean Spicer was just like, we did it, guys. News Nation. We did. We should be proud. We did this. Nobody like a cameraman didn't fall down. The, the microphones didn't smack anybody in the face. Nobody was assaulted. We did it. We did it, News Nation. I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know you existed. Okay, midway through the first hour of discussion with that all-star panel, including Sean Spicer, fo- former Fox News host Bill O'Reilly joined in. Yes, Bill O'Reilly on this quote-unquote moderate news channel. Not quite. Adding O'Reilly to the lineup of punditry destroyed any pretense of a moderate discourse. And I wish I was there because I would have just been like, hey, O'Reilly, you want a loofah? Maybe a little falafel? Again, another joke. If you want another laugh riot, um, I got one of his books at one of his like novels at a Goodwill for like 40 cents in Missouri. And it was it was basically one of his like detective true crime novels where he cast himself as the lead, but he called himself like Shannon O'Malley. And it was there was a sex scene in it that's just as dumb as his uh, again you have to be kind of old to get these references i'm old but the lufa falafel lufa falafel reference that all has to do with if you're younger than probably 40 i'll explain briefly um bill o'reilly used to have was like the big star on fox news and he got busted for sexual harassment and the woman he was sexually harassing worked for him and she taped a phone conversation where he kept talking about how he was going to scrub her up in the shower with a loofah, but he got confused midway and substituted falafel. And it it was creepy and weird. Okay, so the second hour of commentary featured three Republicans and a conservative. So it went Mark Sanford, former governor of South Carolina, Scotty Nell Hughes, formerly of Russia Today, Larry Hogan, former governor of Maryland, and Lindsey Granger, a conservative writer. So, yeah, again, moderate, no, you're not. So as much as I love the sort of slow train wreck version of Fox that is News Nation, it was the quality of, of seeing, you know, pundits who used to make crazy amounts of money now on this sort of like, is this really an, is this really happening type of network with like the former White House press secretary who's best known for Dancing with the Stars. Um... You know, and hey, who am I? Who am I to mock Sean Spicer? I live in a 450-square-foot apartment. I'm speaking into a laptop right now, well, a microphone next to a laptop, but still I'm going to go ahead and make fun of Sean Spicer because why can't we? I think it brings us all together. So the next morning on Fox & Friends, they go straight in. They show long sections uninterrupted of the debate, which is a little shocking considering it's not from their network. And then they all joke about how none of them could find News Nation in their cable packages. Aha, uh-huh. they did do that. 
And then Steve Ducey sets the tone. Well, I, I, I differ a little bit with you on that because, uh, Lawrence, I felt like Chris Christie, he didn't point out any of uh, Nikki Haley's flaws per se, but he did, uh, you know, it, is, it was spirited between he and Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramswamy. Vivek was embarrassing. Um, you know, it, he just, he came in too hot once again. Uh, he got booed a number of times. Uh, Nikki Haley, look, everybody, it was pin the tail on Nikki Haley because she has the momentum right now. She's getting a lot of donors. She's got the excitement. She was the one to beat. I don't, I don't know that uh, Ron DeSantis changed his trajectory, Ainsley, but I think if you were going to uh, put a one, two, three mm -hmm. on last night, mm -hmm. you'd have to go one would be Nikki Haley, two would be Ron DeSantis. I would give Chris Christie number three and Vivek Ramswamy fourth only because he was the fourth person there. I didn't like. Feel the burn, Vivek Ramaswamy. Feel the burn. The Ducey has spoken. Okay, so next up, I thought that was so funny. I'd give him fourth only because he was the fourth person. Ouch. Ouch. So next up, we have uh, Chris Christie was in... These are cracking me up. They've been doing a series of strip mall diners with Lawrence Jones. And when I say strip mall diners, I mean a diner in a strip mall, which is like, what? So instead of like a cute 1950s, really eclectic, interesting looking space, it's just a vast big room with like a one of those crappy ceilings. And then it just says like, eggs up. And uh, so this particular time, he actually, it's a, there were some younger people for whatever reason, up at like 5 a.m. in this diner in Alabama. And uh, he's going around and he's like, we've got our secret guest. And this is who, I'm not going to give it away. You'll know who the secret guest is instantly. He was on that debate stage. Well, I, I thought you had like your strongest debate. Uh, and, but, and, but when you called Donald Trump a dictator and a bully and unfit for office, you did get booed by the people there. So when they are booing you for saying what you say is the truth, what are you thinking? I'm thinking that they're afraid to hear it and that you just got to keep saying it. You know, the fact is, like, booing something doesn't make it untrue. Um, right. It is true. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, I, I said this last night, if what we want to do is reelect Joe Biden, then let's let's nominate a criminal to be our nominee. And, and if we right. do that, let me tell you, you think what I was doing last night was tough? From the time he gets found guilty this spring until the election in November, that's all the Democrats are going to talk about. And if you think that's going to draw back the independent suburban women that cost him the election in 2020, you're crazy. It's well, only going to get worse, and we're going to have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris do you for four think more you're, years. Do you think you're going to be the nominee, Governor? Absolutely. You do? Yeah. All right. Hey, Governor, why did you walk? Next up, we've got the Ingram angle. This is from later that day. And she took a very surprising turn. I was a little shocked by this. We just, this section's called Tricky for Nikki. Tricky for Nikki. That's the focus of tonight's angle. Now on paper, Nikki Haley has a lot going for her. Former two-term governor of South Carolina, former UN ambassador to Donald Trump, a businesswoman, a daughter of immigrant parents. It's an attractive political resume. But just ask Jeb Bush how much resumes count in national politics. The undeniable fact is Republican voters do not trust politicians who claim to be common sense conservatives when their actual record shows the opposite. 
and that they side with the same old guard that helped get us into the messes we're in right now. Last night's News Nation debate was a smackdown with both Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, both populist conservatives, taking on Haley and challenging her real views and record on issues like protecting girls' private space in locker rooms and bathrooms. Now, that was an interesting move because, after all, Haley's the only woman on the stage, a fact that she has decided to lean into, even though I thought Republicans value objective merit, not racial or gender-based bean counting. So, yes, that was just a short excerpt from a much longer section that went on for eight minutes where she ripped on Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, the only one that doesn't seem completely, you know, out of her mind. Then she brings on, and I'm not making this up, because I'm like, who's she going to bring on? After eight minutes, dedicated solely to ripping on Nikki Haley, she's like, and let's bring on Vivek Ramaswamy. And I'm like, no. No. And then he rips on Nikki Haley. He doesn't really promote himself so much as he rips on Nikki Haley. Then after he gets done, she brings on Sean Duffy, husband of Rachel Campos Duffy of Fox News, and Charlie Hurt, who's a conservative uh, writer. And they pick apart Nikki Haley. And when they're, she's finally done, it was 16 minutes of a 40-minute broadcast just ripping on Nikki Haley. Probably the least extreme Republican in the race for president. None of them have a prayer except for Trump. But okay, Laura Ingram, I don't, I'm not sure what your strategy is here. What she did not do, and this is also very telling because you saw the same pattern on Fox and Friends, Ron DeSantis, who's that dude? Because she didn't bring him up. Sure, he may have just had that debate with uh, Newsom. She didn't bring him up. Just non-player. So... Right now, we're gonna before I go into the next topic, because we're gonna shift topics, I should give out a shout out to my sponsor. And that sponsor would be the listeners of this podcast and the readers of my newsletter. The newsletter is the written version of this podcast. It includes hyperlinks to various sources, and it can be found at my Substack for Decoding Fox News. My Patreon is also another way that you can help support this project, and that's Patreon for supporting uh, for decoding Fox News. People who are paid subscribers or paid supporters get exclusive content. There should be more coming. Last week got a really heavy. There's just too much coming at me, but there should be some coming this week. I also want to give a shout out to some people who bought items for the project from my Amazon wish list. And that wish list is simply called Decoding Fox News. There's not much on it. Um, it's like right now it's like snacks, coffee, and a couple office items. So I'm not going to say everybody's full name because I, I, for privacy reasons, that would be too much. But Mitch got me some rockin' legal pads. Thank you very much. Um, this is James got cat treats, which were incredibly. They knew it immediately. Odin and Thor knew immediately what was in that box. Then we also had Villas. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Got mic cords, toys for the cats, and pens. Amazing. And Christopher, just first name got the hard drive which was the big ticket item which i didn't think anybody would buy that was aspirational on my part thank you so much thank you all of you absolutely amazing i'm going to try to send you a personal thank you as well i saved the receipts uh they go in the little tin with some of my equipment but uh, amazing it's very 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 helpful 
And I want really quick before I move on to the next story. A lot of people signed up for Decoding Fox News for a yearly subscription in January, which is coming up. If you guys all don't re-enroll, I could be in serious trouble. <laughs> I will openly admit this. I might be in serious trouble financially. I might be. I'm openly admitting this because that would be a sizable part of my audience. Um, I'm trying to do the best I can. I hope everybody's happy with uh, their investment in Decoding Fox News, this brand new starter level newsroom of one situation thank you so much for your support uh, my cats odin and thor also thank you so much and we're going to keep moving it, again if you can't afford to support the project financially share the podcast share the newsletter tell your friends give me a good review on apple Podcasts or wherever else you get a podcast thank you so much okay moving on this one's fun i made fun of the heck out of this one wow this was hannity's fake town hall I'm calling it a fake town hall because a town hall is supposed to be where people ask questions of a candidate, and that didn't happen. So this is what this nonsense was. So at the very end of his show on Friday, December 1st, Sean Hannity announced at the last minute, oh yeah, by the way, I'm doing a town hall with former President Donald J. Trump on Tuesday. And I'm thinking, you, ah, because I just, you stopped giving me extra work. And I'm like, all right. So then this is how it started. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Uh, as far as, like, weird stuff on Fox with Trump. So Hannity started the broadcast with a seven-minute segment. You have a candidate live, breathing, right there, and instead you're like, no, I need seven solid minutes mixed with monologue and media clips to open this thing. Makes no sense, but let's do this. And that's what he did. Each one of these, because I say you'd think that a living, breathing candidate with a cult following would be enough to get the crowd going, but no, we need seven minutes. And the seven minutes was a frenzy of fear. He starts with, like, the fear of terrorists. I, anal I broke this down, like, beat by beat. The first media clip was from the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing that was from that same day in which the FBI director, Christopher Wray, warned of the many elevated threats to the homeland. Then we shift to fear of immigrants. He shows this graphic that says foreign nationals found at the southern border, and it's got these like alarming numbers. And he's like, ooh, the southern border. And then at the very bottom of the graphic, it says CBP data leaked to Fox News. So that's Customs Border Patrol leaking to Fox News. So like, I can't look up this data and double check it. You can't look up this data and double check it. We just have to trust Fox. Okay, I'm not trusting Fox. So then they've got fear of government and Hannity goes on for about a minute about like how the government is, you know, hunting down parents at PTA meetings and, you know, devout Catholics and the usual shtick. And then he has this, he plays an older clip of Trump where Trump goes, I am your retribution. And the crowd goes wild. Then he goes, fear of media. And he shows a bunch of media personalities, pundits and journalists, warning about Trump's dictatorial ambitions. Then it goes, fear of United States without Trump. And then he wrapped it up with this festival of fear mongering with enthusiastic praise for the former president, including unrealistic promises and exaggerated claims from his glory days as president. Just like my favorite one, he's like, yeah, we'll have peace in the Middle East. And I'm like, good luck with that. Then we move on to 
fear of Biden and the last minute, and I timed it. I broke this down like the total nerd that I am. It was a minute solid of him just ripping on Joe Biden as a tyrannical madman hell-bent on destroying Trump and his, and his supporters. So seven minutes of this nonsense. And then Donald J. Trump triumphantly comes out from where he is and back. Why? Why? Why didn't you just open with him? This is so stupid. In this, I, t I literally, this is what I did. And it's important that I explain this to you. I went through the whole thing twice and I cut out, the first time I cut out all of Hannity's um, questions, which ended up being like, like sizable, like 15 minutes. And then and that included the seven minutes in the beginning. And then I went through and cut out all the times that Trump talked. It's a 43-minute program. Trump only spoke for 26 minutes, 26 and a half minutes. The questions were long and leading, and they didn't discuss things like abortion, the uh, Israel-Hamas war, the war in Ukraine. They just avoided topics that could get Trump into trouble. Just didn't talk about them. There were no long monologues about his love for dictators. He was not rambling on about the Panama Canal or water pressure. He was not talking about completely stupid things that nobody cares about. He did not talk about the, how the election was stolen. He did not because Hannity controlled this thing like it was a machine. You could see where the edits were. You could see where they clipped him. It was just mad. That's why there were seven minutes of him just talking because they, they probably had to cut so much out of this to make it look like they didn't cut so much out of this that it was because the whole thing was pre-taped. Heavily, heavily edited. Now, this is the next day on The Five, our hero, Jessica Tarloff, giving her honest opinion of this display. Um, <laughs> the juxtaposition of last night, so Biden is at the fundraiser and Donald Trump is doing his town hall with Sean Hannity. And Sean was doing his best to help him out, asking questions like, hey, buddy, um, are you planning on being a dictator? And then he floats around, he does a bunch of things. He says he's innocent, all these indictments. He's treated worse than Al Capone, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then he eventually gets around to just saying, no, just dictator day one in terms of what I'll do on the border, et cetera. Um, and people hear that and they hear, yeah, this guy still continues to be a threat to democracy. And you think to two days ago when Arthel Neville, our own anchor, had to beam in to Trump's remarks when he said, I won the 2020 election. Doesn't stop with the lies about it. And you can say it's not the most important issue to people, but people have been voting on preserving democracy. And that's what Joe Biden's talking about, that he was the guy who got Trump out, and he's the guy who can keep Trump out. Okay. So I don't watch Fox News on the weekends because I, there's no way I could handle even more. I do sometimes if some, like, huge story breaks. Generally speaking, I don't because it would break me in half. Um, so, uh, but this happened on the weekend, and they were showing a, a Trump rally. And the weekend host... Um, she her name's Arthur Neville, and she broke in with, well, the former president finally got around to some campaign promises amid lots of cheering, as you heard. And then she said, many untruths. The 2020 election was not rigged. It was not stolen. Now, I'm sure that has something to do with the Dominion lawsuit where they paid three quarters of a billion dollars. But yeah, they cut in on him. And that uh, line about being a dictator is true. Sean Hannity flat out asked him, are you going to be a dictator? And he said, no, except from day one, I'm going to close the border and drill, baby, drill, basically what he said. So, oh, God. Trump spent a lot of the time during the fake town hall talking about how he was going to 
you shore up Social Security, pay off the national debt, and you know get taxes down from drilling for oil. I'm working on a long-form video about this because Trump constantly lies about this, and Fox constantly lies about this. But there is no possible way we could pay for anything from fees from drilling for oil. It's, a, it's money. It's revenue. Thanks. But it's not going to pay for any of that. Absolutely not. Now, speaking of Trump being a dictator, this next is a series of clips with Laura Ingram. Uh, this is from Monday, also addressing the same issue. It's interesting how you see the same pattern over and over again in different shows. I had another clip of Gutfeld. It's too long. I couldn't fit it. But he was saying the same thing on a Wednesday. This, you know, why are they all coming up with the same idea at the same time? They're not. Fox is kind of nudging them. So uh, probably, most likely. I don't have proof of that, but I would, I would bet money based on things I've read about the network and seeing these patterns over and over again all the time. So Laura Ingram brings this up. And to bring it up, she plays a clip of Jen Psaki from MSNBC, a New York Times reporter, Katie Benner from MSNBC, and then Joe Scarborough from MSNBC. The phony democracy defenders. That's the focus of tonight's angle. All right, just as they scrambled to stop the rising Trump campaign back in 2015, they're back in strafing mode again, making wild and scary predictions. Trump is promising to resort to an authoritarian tactic should he become president again. If you don't think he is dying to silence his critics in the media, think again. His top priority, if he becomes president again, is vengeance. Donald Trump uses Nazi terminology to dehumanize his opponents. Now, the headlines are so bad, they're actually funny. From the New York Times today, why a second Trump presidency may be more radical than his first. While he has long exhibited authoritarian impulses, blah, 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 you get it. Okay, what she's doing there is very manipulative. It's like if you came to somebody and said, um, you know, that person just stole... Uh, my bag, they'd say, stole your bag? You stole my bag. You stole my bag. I saw you stole my bag. You stole my bag, and I know you stole my bag. And shut up. Don't you dare try to say you didn't steal my bag. How dare you say somebody stole your bag? Who would want your stupid bag, basically? I mean, <laughs> okay, here's another variation. <laughs> People don't steal bags. You're just thinking somebody stole your bag. I bet you'd find your bag over there if you looked hard enough. I bet you would. I don't know why you're thinking anybody's stealing your bag. See what I'm doing? See what I'm doing? That's Fox. That's Laura Ingram all day long. Um, it's like projection. It's gaslighting mixed together, uh, minimizing somebody else's fears, minimizing their emotion, all of that. Abusive behavior. So next up, this one is really tricky um, because... I do think that this is a problem. I debated even putting this one into the podcast, and I thought it was important, so that's why it's in the podcast. And it was one of the top five categories. Like I said, this is anti-Semitism on college campuses. So on Wednesday, the presidents of Harvard, the University of Pennsylvania, and MIT testified at a congressional hearing on anti-Semitism on college campuses. The three women uh, couldn't seem to answer a simple question, and that question would simply be, would they discipline students calling for the genocide of Jews? And all three presidents um, gave some form of answer that boiled down to, it depends on the context. Now, I watched this. I watched 
the Jewish students talk about their experiences. And I will admit openly that because I come from a background of somebody who studied, researched, broke down extremism, like extremism, media, literature, the whole nine yards, because it all overlaps. And I kind of got into it weirdly, um, started getting work for it because most people can't stomach it. Believe it or not, that's how I got this gig. And so I know for a fact that anti-Semitism is ever-present. It is always a problem. It is a terrifying part of Western culture. It's been around for at least 2,000 years. I, and I do think it should be taken seriously. I, I think that in this case, uh, these three presidents, I think, had a bit of a blind spot. Uh, you know, some people are defending them. I personally was mortified by their answers um, because I know Jewish students who've been harassed and pretty much all of these hideous, ridiculously stupid, toxic conspiracy theories, if you drill down hard enough, they all go back to blaming Jewish people for everything. So yes, anti-Semitism is a problem. And yes, calling for the genocide of Jews is a problem. And it should be called out and it should not just be like, well, they can handle it. No, no. And I know they're all facing consequences for making these very uh, problematic statements. And, of course, Fox pounced on this. And, now, and I also want to add something after I play this quote, why this is even more frustrating that I'm dealing with Fox and this particular issue. So this is Laura Ingram, uh, again, going on this weird gender issue, claiming that none of these women are qualified. Of course, that's absolutely correct. Were any of these women, by the way, really the most qualified individuals in America to run their respective institutions? Doubtful. But we all know that they checked enough boxes to leapfrog everyone else who was in the running for these positions. So, of course, by doing that, she's implying that if you're a white male, nobody would even remotely question your qualifications. Even if, you know, you're related to somebody or you're somebody's golfing buddy, that's why you got your job. You know, anyway. Um, this is why this gets complicated for me as somebody who's studied extremism. So while Fox is now pandering to the Jewish community, uh, after ignoring Israel-Palestine for the entire time I've worked on this project, I have that crazy list that I made for paid subscribers. If you're a non-paid subscriber, you can see some of it. It's super long list of all the stories I collected that Fox News did not report on that um, PBS did. All right. And uh, while Fox is championing, uh, you know, Jewish people, the network has been promoting anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. So you can't say, oh, we're championing the Jewish people. We care so much, even though we've gonna, we're going to ignore Israel-Palestine until there's a war. We're going to not talk about it ever. Then we're going to act like we care. And at the same time, we're going to promote the Great Replacement, the Great Reset, and cultural Marxism, all of which are steeped in anti-Semitism. They're all basically blaming Jews for everything, and they constantly promote all three of those. Not the Great Reset as much. That one's kind of fallen a little bit out of favor. But cultural Marxism constantly, and the Great Replacement theory pretty much every week. Um, they also have compared, and this is a frequent examples of this, the Jewish philanthropist and political activist George Soros 
as a puppet master, which is an incredibly specific anti-Semitic trope. So on Friday, the news broke that Hunter Biden got indicted again, this time on new charges, sort of, but from California. And everybody on Fox cheered and pretty much every show got dedicated to this. Even though so far it's just tax charges, that's it. Nothing that links him to his dad, nothing like that. But that's not going to stop Fox. So on Fox and Friends, Francie Hakes, a former federal prosecutor, talked about the case. I found this clip, there's so many of them that were funny. But this one was particularly funny because um, she's just asking about all these charges that, well, nobody's charged him with. My question is, where are the charges reflecting foreign violations? Where are the charges reflecting there. possible, no, bribery or public corruption? So are those to come? Because it looks to me like the special counsel should have evidence of what looks like a public corruption and money laundering scheme, but those charges are nowhere to be found well, in the indictment. Francie Congressman Jason Smith, Republican from Missouri, he says this is far from over. Hunter attempted to evade justice by concealing his income, failing to pay his taxes, and flaunting the Biden name. So they are digging into it. They've been digging into it for about like five years now. Like, what are you, what? This is never, it's never going to end. He will be uh, both... Joe Biden and Hunter Biden will be long since dead and they will still talk about this. It's like the Hillary Clinton emails. It's never going to die. Never going to die. They're just going to whip it out and be like, what about? What about? We didn't prove it, but what about? You know, we were right there. We're right, th right there. Right there. And just to give you a little something before we get into the next long clip, I just scared Odin. Odin was sleeping on my Christmas island. Not, wait. No kitchen island and i went into this voice and my cat woke up and looked startled odin's like who's yelling and i'm like it's judge janine if you didn't see my clip today it was pretty funny where she said that hunter biden took out 1.6 billion with a b dollars from his account she i don't know was she you know i don't know if it was an oreo too many oreos or a box of white Zinfandel, but she was on fire. That was from last week, Friday, and I didn't have time to post it on Friday, so I just waited till Monday, because why bother with the weekend? Nobody's on Twitter, and it blew up. Anyway, so this next one is stories Fox News ignored. Every week, I compare the hours I've watched on Fox with five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following is a list of stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not. And again, now Odin is on my lap. Just so you know, Odin is on my lap, purring. He's a large black cat with yellow eyes. Here we go. Climate disasters. Heavy rains in East Africa have caused landslides and flooding that have killed at least 350 people while displacing over 1 million across Somalia, Kenya, Ethiopia, and Tanzania. The heavy rainfall is caused by the El Nino weather phenomenon and is expected to continue into the new year. The European Union's Copernicus Climate Change Service announced that in 2023 is the warmest year on record, analyzing data from around the world. Updates on the war in Ukraine. The U.S. Justice Department charged four Russians with war crimes against an American citizen living in Ukraine. They are accused of kidnapping the man and torturing him for 10 days in the spring of 2022. The charges are largely symbolic as the four men are not in U.S. custody. 
North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum ended his campaign for Republican presidential nomination. He did not qualify for the last presidential debate in Alabama. In Indonesia, an active volcano eruption killed at least 11 people, while dozens are still missing. Rescue teams searched the jungles near Mount Merapi to find survivors. The Supreme Court heard arguments in the controversial bankruptcy case involving the Sackler family. The Sackler family once owned Purdue Pharma, a company that heavily promoted the use of opioid painkillers while obscuring the addictive nature of the drugs. The proposed settlement would give billions to victims of the epidemic while protecting the Sackler family from future drug-related civil lawsuits. PBS produced a segment about new research that confirms an increase in cancer diagnoses among younger women. The segment focused on patients navigating the healthcare system. Most young cancer patients are not diagnosed early as their symptoms aren't taken seriously by doctors. Astronomers have discovered a rare solar system in the Milky Way with six planets orbiting in sync. The discovery, 100 light years away, could offer some clues about the formation of our own solar system. PBS produced a segment about the proliferation of green energy projects in Texas. The state leads the nation in carbon-free, that's nuclear, solar, and wind, energy production. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, a Republican, dropped his hold on 425 military promotions. Tuberville had held up the promotions for 10 months based on his objection to the Pentagon's policy on abortion. Vice President Kamala Harris broke the record for Senate tie-breaking votes. She has now broken 32 ties, beating the record of 31 that was set by John C. Calhoun, who was vice president from 1825 to 1832. Representative Patrick McHenry of North Carolina said he would not return for re-election at the end of the term after 20 years in Congress. McHenry served as interim speaker after House members ousted Representative Kevin McCarthy. FBI Director Christopher Wray urged Congress to renew the Bureau's authority for warrantless surveillance outside the U.S. The authority comes from Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Both Republicans and Democrats want to reform the program. A top EU official issued a security warning for the holidays after a weekend fatal attack in Paris by a man who pledged allegiance to the extremist Islamic State. The European Commission plans to spend more than $30 million on additional security, especially in places of worship. Nearly 400 Rohingya Muslim refugees are stranded off the coast of Thailand. Roughly 740,000 Rohingya Muslims have fled Buddhist-majority Myanmar to camps in Bangladesh since August 2017. Myanmar security forces have been accused of mass rapes, killings, and the burning of thousands of Rohingya homes. The Program for International Student Assessment found new evidence of worldwide learning losses due to the pandemic. Math scores in 2022 fell 15 points from four years prior. Reading scores were also down 10 points. The findings are based on tests of 15-year-olds in 80 countries, including the United States. Last week marked the 25th anniversary of the first astronauts entering the International Space Station, which is set to be decommissioned in 2030. The plan to deorbit the station will be a partnership between NASA and private companies. For its America at a Crossroads series, PBS included a segment about the U.S. government's policies around COVID-19 and how the virus was politicized. 
This segment included criticism of Fox News for pushing anti-vaccine junk science and promoting misinformation about the disease. Some of the CEOs of the country's biggest banks testified at the United States Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs last week to argue against new proposed banking regulations that they say would curtail lending and hurt profits. The bank executives say they need flexibility to cope with inflation and higher interest rates. Regulators argue that this year's bank failures should require banks to hold additional capital on their balance sheets. A district judge in Texas stepped in to allow a woman to terminate her pregnancy, despite a statewide ban on abortion. The women's fetus had a fatal abnormality that would could result in a ruptured uterus. Soon after the district judge ruling, the attorney general of Texas threatened the woman's doctor with criminal prosecution and blocked the abortion. The woman ended up leaving the state to have the procedure. Six top Republican officials have been indicted in Nevada for pleading that state's electoral votes to Donald J. Trump in 2020 as part of an illegal effort to reverse his loss to Joe Biden. Five surviving servicemen from the Pearl Harbor attack returned to Hawaii to mark the 82nd anniversary of the aerial assault on the U.S. military. Japan's surprise attack killed more than 2,300 American servicemen and pulled the United States into World War II. Oppenheimer, a film about the creation of the atomic bomb that the U.S. dropped on Japan, will show in theaters there after a heated debate over releasing the film. The latest jobs report showed that the U.S. economy added 100,099 new jobs, with unemployment dropping from 3.9% to 3.7%, which is the longest unemployment has been under 4% since the 1960s. A woman in Kentucky known only as Jane Doe, is suing the state for right to an abortion. The suit, filed in state court in Louisville, says Kentucky's near-total prohibition of abortion violates the plaintiff's rights to privacy and self-determination under the state constitution. The long-running court case over the Trump administration's family separation policy at the U.S. southern border is finally ended. A federal judge banned the practice for eight years. The policy was meant to deter illegal immigration. During the program, some 5,000 children were separated from their families. Foreign ministers from several Arab allies to the United States were in Washington last week to meet with the Biden administration over the Israel-Hamas war. PBS featured an interview with Prince Faisal bin Farin al-Saad, the foreign minister from Saudi Arabia. Americans suffering from sickle cell disease might have new hope as the FDA approved two gene therapies for the blood disorder. The Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, France, is set to reopen to the public in one year after a devastating fire in 2019. In Michigan, a gunman who killed four students in a school shooting was sentenced to life in prison without parole. He was 15 when he carried out the attack at Oxford High School in 2021. Ryan O'Neill, the actor best known for the TV serial Peyton Place and the films Love Story and Paper Moon, died at the age of 82. And those are all the stories that Fox News did not include uh, this week, which is a lot. Again, there was some overlap, but not much. And then we go to buy the numbers, which every week I compare Fox News to PBS for the top five categories. And for Fox News, those categories would be Hunter Biden at 11%, anti-Semitism on college campuses at 11%, Trump Town Hall, 8%, 6% was dedicated to good old Biden bashing, 
and 5% to the fourth GOP debate, which was not even on Fox. So for PBS, uh, top five categories were Israel-Hamas war at 17%, congressional funding for Ukraine, 8%, government policy for COVID-19, that was the America at the Crossroads, that was 5%. Uh, they had an interview with Liz Cheney, 4%, and then an interview with the Saudi foreign minister, which I mentioned, and that was at 4%. So I just want to add very quickly that although Liz Cheney did not have an interview on Fox, they did talk about the fact that she was basically on a media tour. So that's why I didn't include that in the stories that Fox News ignored, because they didn't ignore it. They just they didn't interview her, but they talked about her. So words used on Fox News for the week ending December 10th, 2023. We start with Biden for 328, Trump 252, Israel dropped all the way down to 116, Hunter 113. So Hunter is now almost as important as Israel on Fox. That's shameful. Border, 106. Haley, 68, as in Nikki Haley. China, 63. Ukraine, 59. DeSantis, 53. Crime, 33. Hostages, 27. Vivek Ramaswamy, 24. Inflation, 23. Ceasefire, 10. 10. Also shameful. Anti-Semitism, 9. Islamophobia, 4. And AOC, 2. She always makes a list. Very rarely does she not make the list. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. That is all I've got this week. I'm exhausted. Um, I should have something for the paid subscribers this week that's extra. Um, if you'd like to support this project, you can go to my uh, Substack for Decoding Fox News. You can go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. I have the dollar sign next to my name on Twitter. I also have the Amazon gift uh, wish list for Decoding Fox News, office supplies and office snacks for me and the cats. That's all that's left on it um, that I need at this point or not, whatever. It's all good. My dutiful mascots who've been with me all night and uh, sometimes sitting on my lap, sometimes just like, you know, messing with stuff on the desk has been Odin and Thor the black cat and the black tuxedo. They send their love. I will see you at the next podcast.